We begin on the Aflamid Vav the very first word, Hasam Tanan. So, Mara goes back here to the Allah of the Mishnah, where it said that if you have fruits and produce that were on top of the roof and it's going to rain and you want to protect it, so you're allowed to throw it down, a skylight, you throw it into the house in order to get it out of the rain. Then the Gemara brought a Mishnah in Shabbos that discusses a similar halacha to a person that needs to empty a space that was filled with boxes and things, he has a storage let's say. And he needs to empty that space in order to make space for guests or to make space for people to come and learn. So over there that Mishnah gave a certain limitation of how much you could empty it out. You can take out four or five boxes but more than that in Shabbos is too much of a tircha. So the Hemshech of the Gemara here is going to discuss other details, comparing and contrasting Shabbos and Yontif in to these halachas. Let's see inside. So, Dr. Gemara, Hosan Tnan. Over there, regarding Shabbos, it says in the Mishnah, that you're allowed to empty out boxes to clear the space for people to sit, to sit there to learn or for guests, but you can't completely empty out the entire Eitzer. Can't be emptied out all the way. And the reason is, as Rashi brings over here, because if you completely empty out the area, so you, you uncover the ground, and we're afraid that you might come to smooth and level out the ground that may have had some holes in it, which is uh, not allowed in Shabbos. So therefore, you're not allowed to empty it out completely. Oh, the Gemara here itself says it, sorry. So Shmuel says, What did the Mishnah there mean when it says, you're not allowed to empty out an entire storage. You can make space there, but not fully empty it out. Why? If you uncover the ground completely, so then you might come to smooth out the ground. So now the question is, what would be the halacha on Yom Tif? Do I apply the same halacha to Yom Tif as well and say that the Chachamim were machmeh here and are concerned for the same thing? And what would be the reason to make a distinction? I would say that maybe there, because it's Shabbos, it's not allowed. Shabbos is more stringent than Yontif. Yontif the kill, but Yontif, which we know, the chlal, the malachas and Yontif, is, more, is not as stringent as Shabbos, and even the punishment for someone that's over on a malacha is not as stringent. So therefore, Shabbatami, maybe here Chachamim will not geyser, and here you can empty out the storage completely in Yontif. Or perhaps I can say opposite Svara. Oh, someday kibitl beisam medrash omrit loy. If over there that mission is speaking about you emptying it out in order for people to have space to come and learn, and nevertheless you say that it's not allowed to be emptied out. Hocha de lekib bitl beisam medrash. Here we're talking about a person that's emptying the space not because of bitl beisam medrash. He doesn't need it for people to come and learn. Just personally, for personal use, he wants to empty it out. Like Kol most definitely that the same limitation applies that if you're uncovering the place and you're emptying it out completely, that you're not allowed. So this is one Shiloh. The Gemara doesn't resolve these questions. The Gemara now has another Shiloh. Again, comparing Yom Tif to Shabbos. What does it say over here? Mashilin peiris derech arube You're allowed to lower down the <coughs> produce that you have on your rooftop through a skylight on Yom Tif, if you see that it's going to rain. And for Omar Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman said about our Mishnah, you're only allowed if you don't have to schlep all your produce to a different rooftop and it's not too much of a strenuous activity. Right over there you have a skylight that you could lower down the fruits. If you have to take your produce from one rooftop to another, that's not allowed. That's already too much of a tircha and it's not allowed to be done on Yantif. 
Netanya nami hachi. We learned this in Abraisa as well. A metaltalim nigag legag. You now let him move the produce from one roof to another roof and take it down there. Afilik eshagagisein shavin. Even if the rooftop of your house and the rooftop of the next house over are flat or even, and it's not a major tircha seemingly to take it from one to another, it's still not allowed. So now the question is, Hosom Mai. Over there, regarding Shabbos, what's going to be the halacha? Will I say that over here, the reason why you're not allowed to schlep it to another rooftop, Mishum de Yomtev kill? Because Yontif is more lenient in people's eyes, Vasil is Zuli based, so people, if you're going to allow them to do this, so people are going to come to be Mizalzal in the Kedusha of Yontif. Avol Shabbos, the Chamira, but Shabbos that in people's eyes is more stringent. Vilayasil is Zuliba. People are not going to be Mizalzal in Shabbos if you allow them to do this. Shaper Dami, so maybe there it is allowed to transport it from one rooftop to another. Or maybe I could say the reverse. Ma Hochod, Ikef, Setpeides, Omrit Loi. If over here, with the Mishnah specifically speaking about a case where he's transporting it down, he wants to take it down into the house because it's going to rain and it's going to ruin all his, all his produce. Amrit Loi, nevertheless, we give this limitation and we say that it's only if you have an opening in your rooftop you're allowed. But you can't take it to another. Hasam, Deleka Hefset Peides. Over there regarding Shabbos, that Mishnah is there, wasn't talking about a case where a person's concerned of rain and it's going to ruin his Peides. Like Koshiken. Definitely. He should, uh, he should not be allowed to, trans- to take it from one rooftop to another. A third child of the Gemara has. That's the gears on the side of the Gemara. Over here we have a Braise that says, You should not lower down your produce with a rope through windows. And you shouldn't bring it down with a ladder or with any steps that you're going down with. If you can very easily take the produce and throw it down a skylight, an opening that you have right there in your rooftop, you're allowed. But if you have a rooftop and there's no skylight, you have a wall around your rooftop and you're able to throw it down a window in the wall that's surrounding your roof, uh, or you can go take it down steps, then it's not allowed. So now the question is, Hasamai, when it comes to Shabbos, do we apply the same limitation or not? Oh, do I say that here? Huh? Because it's too much of a tircha. They're only allowed if it's not a much of a tircha. So do I say, Here regarding Yom Tov, it's not allowed. Because over here, it's not for the purpose of people coming to learn Torah. Maybe on Shabbos, because you're emptying the space, because you want people to be able to come and learn. Maybe it's allowed, you could empty the space, remove it even through a window or taking it downstairs. So people can come and learn. Or maybe I could say an opposite svarah. Here, even if you're going to have a monetary loss, the produce will get destroyed. And nevertheless, they don't allow you to take it down unless you have that opening in the roof. You can't take it through a window or stairs. Awesome. The lack of hefset paytis. Over there in Shabbos, where it's discussing a case where there is no hefset of paytis, like all Most definitely, you shouldn't be allowed to take it out. So that's all these questions over here regarding these different cases and Shabbos and Yontiv were not resolved. The next thing it said in the Mishnah was that on, on uh, Shabbos, on Yontiv, you're allowed to cover fruits if you have a leak in the house and it's leaking on the fruits and you want to protect it, you're allowed to cover these fruits on Shabbos and Yontiv. So all it says regarding this, it says in the Mishnah fruits, but the truth is, even if you have a row of bricks that are going to be used for construction, 
and there's a leak that's going on it and it's ruining it, you're allowed to take something to cover it on Shabbos and Yontif. Now the Chiddush here is, even though this row of bricks are mukta, can't be used on Yontif or Shabbos, but nevertheless, you're not touching them, you're just covering them to protect them from the leak. It's allowed. Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak argues and says, Only fruits that are fit for you to use, they're not mukta, that you're allowed to cover and protect them. But this row of bricks, because it's mukta, you're not allowed to even go and cover them from a leak to protect them. And the Gemara explains, Rabbi Yitzchak follows his opinion that he explained elsewhere. You're not allowed to move one keli, unless if it's for the purpose for something else which is not mukta. So over here, if you have paytas that are not mukta, I'm allowed to move some kind of a covering for those paytas to cover them from the leak, because those paytas are not mukta. But if it's a row of bricks, since the row of bricks are for construction and they are mukta, I'm not allowed to move something else for their purpose to cover them. So that's Rabbi Yitzchak's opinion. The Gemara here is going to bring a bunch of different rayas, first trying from our Mishnah itself, to, uh, to prove this subject here. Tanan, what did it say in the Mishnah? You're allowed to cover the fruits with a keli, with some kind of a vessel, to block the leak that's, that's leaking on it. So what does it sound like from the Mishnah? Pay this in. The Mishnah specifically chooses the example of fruits, which are not mukta. But if you would have a row of bricks, it's not allowed. So it's a question on Yitzchak. So the Gemara says, Loi, it's not a raya from our Mishnah. Really, in our Mishnah, even a row of bricks would be allowed to cover it, to protect it from a leak. But because in the Reisha, when it begins, it speaks about the produce on the rooftop, and over there, it's speaking only about paytas that are getting ruined from the rain. So on the Seifa as well, it's bringing the case of paytas. But really, the same would apply even if it would be a row of bricks which are mukta, you're allowed to cover them to protect them from a leak. The Gemara continues, is going on to the mission, and all in our Mishnah here, what did it say afterwards in the Mishnah? If you have barrels of wine or jugs of wine or oil, so you're allowed to cover them from a leak as well. So the question of the Gemara is, you're telling me that it's only speaking about Paytas, because the ratio of the Mishnah spoke about Paytas, so therefore here we're speaking about Paytas. But look in the continuation of the Mishnah, the Mishnah brings up other cases. So according to Rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak, why did, it, uh, why did it bring up Dafke the cases, or according to Ula that is? According to Ula, why did it bring up Dafke the cases of Kadeh Yai and Kadeh Shannon? It should have brought up the case of, a, of Avira Delivni, of a row of bricks. You can't tell me that he's following the Reisha. Here we see the Mishnah is bringing up other cases. And it does not mention Avira de Livni. It only mentions Kadayayin and Kadayashemen that are not Mukta. And for the Gemara, Hocha Askinon Betivla. When the Mishnah brings the case of this oil and wine, it's actually talking about oil and wine that are Mukta. Why are they Mukta? Because they're Tevel. The Meiser wasn't taken from it yet. And it is Mukta. So it's just like a row of bricks which are Mukta. So the Gemara says, and it's logical to say that that's what, that's what the Mishnah means, even though it doesn't say so. The Mishnah just says wine and oil. So how, but how do I know? Why is it logical to say that it's talking about oil and wine that are tevel, that are mukta? If you're just speaking about a regular oil and wine that the Meiser was taken from it already and it's mutter, so it already said before regarding fruits that you're allowed to cover the fruits from Malik. What's the chiddush over here regarding the wine and the, uh, and the oil? It's the same thing. Just another example of something that's not mukta. Elamai, it's talking about oil and wine that are tevel. 
that the Maisel wasn't taken from it, and it's Mukta. And therefore, that's the Chiddush, like Ula said, that you're still allowed to cover them even though they are Mukta. So the Gemara answers, no, I'll, I'll give you a different reason why the Mishnah speaks about oil and wine. There was a specific Chiddush that the Mishnah is telling you by bringing up oil and wine. Because I would think to say, Regarding fruits, which is a very big monetary loss, whatever leak there is, it's going to totally destroy the fruits. You're not going to, it's all going to be ruined. So therefore, over there, they allowed you to cover it on Shabbos. But regarding the oil and the wine, so the, the leak apparently doesn't completely destroy it, so therefore it's not such a big monetary loss. So therefore, over there, they weren't so concerned that maybe they would not allow you to. Kamash Malon. Right. So therefore, it doesn't get totally destroyed. So Kamash Malon, that's the Chiddush of the Mishnah, that you still are allowed to cover it. The Gemara goes on to the next case of what it said in the Mishnah. The last thing that it said in our Mishnah is, if you have a leak, and the leak is ruining the floor of your house, and so you're allowed to place a keli under this leak to, to catch the water from the leak. So the question is, this water that's leaking is water that's not fit for anybody to drink. It's, it's, it's disgusting water that's leaking from your roof of your house. So, no, so this is water which is mukta. Not fit for anybody to use, and nevertheless, we allow you to move a keli, let's say a garbage pail, to, ca- to catch the water from that leak, even though the water from that leak is mukta. So this proves the point that Rabbi Yitzchak said that I'm allowed to move a keli for the purpose of something which is mukta, like it is over here. The water of the leak itself is mukta water. So the Gemara answers, no, bedelef haroi. We're talking about the water of this leak, which is fit for use. Rashi says, even if it's not fit for human consumption, but it's water that's clean enough that you can feed it to your animals. So therefore, it's not water, which is mukta. So there's no raya from this Mishnah. The Gemara brings another, another raya, Toshima, Poisin, Machzeles, Algabe, Levein, and Bishabbos. So it says, Abrai said that you're allowed to spread a mat over bricks on Shabbos, that the Iyat, uh, so that's already the answer, sorry. You're allowed to spread uh, the mat over these bricks. These bricks are mukta. They're leftovers from a, uh, they're, they're, you can't use them for anything on Shabbos. It's mukta. So, and nevertheless, you're allowed to cover them with a mat. This is a proof to what Rabbi Yitzchak said. So the Gemara says, the Iyat, and for the Gemara, the Iyat mibinyana. These bricks are leftovers from a construction site. And what do you do with these bricks? They're actually fit to be used. The They're fit to be used to sit on them, to recline on them. So they are used as chairs to sit on them or as to, to, to recline on them. So therefore they're not mukta. Toshama, another raya. From another b'raise, where it's the same continuation of the b'raise, it says, You're allowed to spread a mat over rocks. On Shabbos, so these are these are they're they're also being used for construction. Rashi says that if they get wet, it's going to be hard to use it in the construction. It's you need them to be dry, so you don't want them to get wet. You're allowed to cover them with a mat on Shabbos if it's raining. So what do you see over here? These these rocks are certainly muktzel They're not fit for use for anything, and nevertheless you're allowed to cut them and cover them on Shabbos. So the Gemara answers ba'avonim mikurzalos. Here it's actually talking about these sharp. Uh, these stones that have sharp edges, the chazia and the base that are fit to be used for for a person to wipe himself in the base akise, so they're not mukta either. So there's no ra'i from there. 
Toshema, another raya, it says in the Braise, Persin machzeles algabe kaveres dvoirim b'Shabbos. You're allowed to take a mat and cover a beehive on Shabbos. And the reason you're covering it is because in the sun, in the, in the summer, because of the sun that's too hot for them. And in the, in the winter season, in the rain, because of the rain. So you're allowed to cover them on Shabbos. As long as your intention is not to trap them under there, which Seda, of course, is a Malachim and Ateira. So as long as you're not trapping it, you're just covering them to protect them from the elements, it's allowed. So what do you see over here? These bees that are inside this beehive, it's muktza. It's not something that a person has any use of. And nevertheless, you're allowed to go ahead and move this mat to cover them. Like Rabbi Yitzchak said. The reason you're allowed to cover them is not because you're protecting the bees, but you're protecting the honey that's inside the honeycombs. That's the reason you're allowed to cover them. For the purpose of the honey, which are not muktza. The, the honey that's inside there is, is usable. So if it's for the honey, Amalerav Ukve, Mimeshon, Leravashi, so he asked him the question, During the summer season, you take have honey there. So you could explain the Braise that you're covering it for the honey, the Ikedvash. However, when it comes to the winter season, what are you going to say? In the winter, the bees are not producing any honey. All the honey was taken out before the winter season, and then it's just the bees themselves. So you're covering this beehive to protect the bees, not for the honey. So how is that allowed? So the Gemara answers, no, there is some honey there. There are two uh, uh, parts of honey in the honeycomb that a person does leave for the bees. Throughout the whole winter season, the bees need some honey left for them to be able to feed themselves until it comes to the next summer. So when you empty out the honey before the winter, you empty out everything besides two chalais, two parts in the honeycomb where you leave it for those bees. And therefore, when you're protecting, when you're covering it with the mat, even during the winter, there is some honey there. There's the honey that you left there for the bees. That honey that you left for the bees, they're not for you to, to eat. That honey that you left there for the bees, for the winter season, that's, that's for the bees to eat. That has nothing to do with you. It's still mukta. Just like the bees themselves that are not used for anything, the honey that's for them is also mukta. And for the Gemara, over here, the case is that even though he left it there for the bees, but you had then the intention to go and take it for yourself. You do want to use that honey now. You ran out of honey and you want to have the honey for yourself and you thought that you're going to use it for yourself. So therefore it's not mukta. And that's why you're allowed to cover them with a mat. So what are you telling me? But if you did not intend to use that honey that was left there for the bees, you did not intend to use it for yourself, my, what's going to be the Allah? You're not allowed to cover this beehive with a, uh, with a mat because it's all mukta. If so, when it says there in that b'raise, makes the following distinction. That when you're covering this beehive, you're allowed to cover it, but not with the purpose to trap the bees inside. That's the distinction the b'raise makes. Why does it have to make that distinction? Why doesn't the b'raise make a distinction even before you come to trapping the bees? Why doesn't the b'raise make a distinction in a case where a person is just covering it to protect what's there? And the Braise should say as follows, When are you allowed to cover a beehive if there's honey inside that you intend to use for yourself? 
So therefore it's not mukta, so you're allowed to cover it. But if you did not intend to use it for yourself, so now it's all mukta, asr. It's not allowed to cover it, because you're covering something that's mukta. Why didn't the Braisa make this distinction? So the Gemara answers, no, the Braisa wants to say a different Chiddush. This is the Chiddush of the Braisa, that even in a case where you didn't intend to use this honey for yourself, so it's not mukta. As far as mukta is concerned, there is no issue. When you're covering this bi, as long as you're not intending to trap the bees there, you're allowed to cover it. So Adarabba, the Braissa wants to say a bigger chiddush, that even in a case where there is no issue of mukta whatsoever, because the beehive has honey in it that you're going to use for yourself, but nevertheless, if you're intending to trap the bees, you're not allowed to cover it. So now the Gemara explains this detail of here about not trapping the bees. What did we explain this Braissa here? The entire discussion regarding covering these bees is all based on the fact that the bees themselves are mukta, the honey inside the beehive is not mukta, it's all a discussion revolving around mukta. So, so how did you explain this b'raise? It's all according to Rabbi Yehuda. In other words, this entire discussion that you can't cover it unless there's honey inside that you intend to use is all based on Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, the Islay mukta, that says that there is an issue with mukta. Okay? If, if it were according to Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon doesn't hold the entire concept of Mukta, so then this whole discussion doesn't begin. There is no issue of Mukta Bechlal. So this entire discussion, we're explaining this B'raisa all according to Rab Yehuda that holds Mukta. So to Gemara, but now, but what's the last halacha of this B'raisa? That you're allowed to cover it as long as you don't have the intention to trap the bees that are inside. So now as Dr. Gemara, Asan Lerab Shimin. This will be only according to Rab Shimin's opinion. The Omar, what did Rab Shimin say? Dovar She'eim Miskavin Mutter. That when you do a malacha, as long as you don't have the intention to do this malacha, that it's allowed. So what does it come out of here? The ratio of this Mishnah you're saying goes according to Rab Yehuda. That holds that Muktza is an issue. And then when it says in the Braise that as long as you don't have Kavona, to trap them, it's allowed. That's only according to Rab Shimon. Rabbi Yudah holds there's no difference. Rabbi Yudah holds whether you have kavana, whether you don't have kavana. Either way, it's also to do this mulacha. Rabbi Yudah holds Dovashem Miskavan is also as well. So it comes out that the Reish is going to be Rabbi Yehuda and the Seife is going to be Rabbi Shimon. Is this is what you're saying logical? Is what you're saying true? That this goes according to Rab Shimon. But we had many times that Abaya and Rava both explained. Rab Shimon would also agree in a case where you do a malacha and you're not having any intention to do that malacha. But if it's a case that you're doing an action and the action must bring about the result of a malacha, so Rab Shimon is going to be maida that it's asr. That's what the concept of psikresha is. So over here, when you're covering this beehive and you're just trying to protect them from the rain, the result is going to be that the bees are going to be trapped inside. So even Abshimah would agree that your intention doesn't matter. So basically, the Gemara now is coming to a question here on the Seifa of the Braisa. How can the Seifa say that if you're covering these bees, it makes a difference what your kavana is? Whether your kavana is to trap them, whether your kavana is not to trap them, it should make no difference what your kavana is. It's psik reisha. The trapping is going to happen automatically. So therefore, it should be usher regardless of what your kavan is. So the Gemara answers, So therefore, we could say that really this entire b'raise is all Rabbi Yehuda. And the Pshad and the Sefer, when it talks about not trapping the bees, 
and not having the intention to trap the bees, what it means is as follows. The pshat is completely different. We're talking about a beehive, the isbe kavi. Besides the opening that you're covering, it has other windows, it has other openings that it could go out from. Meaning even if you're covering the top of the beehive, where the opening is, and it's not going to rain on it, or the sun is not going to go on it, but there are still other windows on the side that the bees could still go out. So when it says, it's not just talking about a kavana, don't have the intention to trap them. What it's saying is, if when you cover the beehive, it still has windows on the side that the bees could escape from there, then it's allowed to cover them, because you didn't trap them. The bees could escape from the side. And now, don't um, say that according to Rabbi Yehuda, that the pshat over here is, that you should not intend to trap them, meaning that they are fully trapped. LMI, you're not intending to trap them, that doesn't matter. If they are fully trapped, then you're not allowed, not allowed to do so. Ela rather, you have to read the Braise, what the Braise is saying is, Ubulvad You have to put the covering on top of this beehive in such a way that it shouldn't be totally surrounding it and trapping the bees that they can't escape at all. That's what the Braise is saying over here. Right, so the point is that if you have a beehive that has no windows on the side and there's no place for the bees to escape, so you can't cover it to protect it from the sun or from the rain, because then you're ending up trapping it. But if it can't escape, so then you're allowed to put the cover on top of them, because it could escape from the side. Frek, the Gemara, if that's what the mission, if that's what the Braise is saying, pshita, isn't it obvious? I mean, obviously, if you're not fully trapping it, because there's windows on the side that the bees could escape from there, so what's the issue? Of course you're allowed to do so. And for the Gemara, Mao the because no, I would think to say, when you have a type of creature that is usually, usually trapped, that's something that you're not allowed to be trapped on Shabbos or on Yontif. But if it's something that people don't usually trap them, mutter. I would think that maybe it would be mutter. Right? So therefore these bees in this beehive, which is not something that people usually trap, so therefore, the malacha of tzedah is not shaykh over there. Just like we know regarding all the malachas, only if you do it in a way that it's the normal way to trap things. So over here, because these bees are not usually trapped in this way, so therefore I would think that it shouldn't be allowed. It's not like an animal or birds or things like that that are usually trapped. Kamash molon, that's the chiddush of the b'raise, that even bees, if there's no windows that they could escape from, there's a, there's a malacha of tzedah and you're not allowed to trap them. This is all one pshat in this b'raise. And now the Gemara goes back to a question that it asked before in this b'raise and it gives a different pshat. What did we say before? That you're covering this beehive not in order to protect the bees, you're covering the beehive to protect the honey that's inside. Okay? But the Gemara's question was, but there's only honey there during the summer months. In the winter months, it's empty from honey, so you can't be protecting the honey, you're protecting the bees. That was the Gemara's question before. So now the Gemara gives a different answer to that question. Ravashi Yom Ravashi says, If you look very carefully into the words of the Braise, does it say, which means the summer days, in the winter days? It doesn't say that. Rather what it says is, When the sun is shining to protect the, the, the beehive from the sun, And when it's raining to protect from the rain, That's what it says. But it never said the, the summer days and the winter days. And therefore he explains, what is it speaking about? This Braise is speaking about whether the spring, Nisan time, 
in the fall and Tishrei time, that's a time where you have both sun and rain. It's not, so we're not talking not about the summer season and not about the winter season. We're talking about the fall or the spring where you have sometimes sun and sometimes rain. And in the spring and in the fall, you have honey inside this uh, beehive. And therefore, the purpose of covering this beehive is not for the bees, it's for the honey. It's to protect the honey. And therefore, you're allowed to go ahead and cover them. The next thing that it said in the Mishnah was, If you have a leak in your house on Shabbos, you're allowed to bring, let's say, a garbage pail and to catch the water of that leak inside of it. Tana and Abraise said, In this smala keli, if this pail that you brought there for the water that's leaking got full, shayfich, you can spill it out, you can move it and spill it out, and vishayna, and you can repeat and do the same thing again. And the reason for this is, this is based on the halacha, as we'll see soon in the Gemara, that when you have something that's disgusting right in the middle of your house, even though usually there's a halacha of muktzah, that's something that's not fit for any use, you're not allowed to move, but there's something that's called a graf shalrei. If you have a pail of something which is disgusting, Chachamim allowed you to remove it from your house for people to be able to live there. So the same thing over here, if you have this leak of water and the pail is full, and it's in the middle of the house and it's disgusting, it's something that you're allowed to move, and you're allowed to even bring it back. And you don't have to hold yourself back from this. You, don't have, you can take it and bring it back all day as much as necessary. The Gemara now here brings the incident that happened. By the house and the place where there was the millstones of Abaya. It was uh, leaking and it was ruining the millstones. It was going on, the, on, his, on his mill and it was ruining it. So he came to Rabbi and he asked him, what could I do about this on Shabbos? So I told him, Why don't you go and take and bring your bed inside that room? And now, once you have your bed in there, so you're living there, you're sleeping there. And now, once you're living there, so now the millstones is getting disgusting from this leak. So it's going to be like this disgusting thing in the middle of a place that you're living there, and you could remove it. And then you can take it out. That's what Rabbi, his teacher, told him. Yosef Abaye So Abaye heard this psakdin from his teacher, but Abaye had a question. If you have a situation, that it happened, that you have a disgusting thing in your house, so you're allowed to remove it. But am I allowed to create that kind of situation in the beginning with the intention to remove it? So am I allowed to go and bring my bed in order to create this? That, that's the question that he had and what his teacher Rabbi told him. Adahachi, while he was thinking this over and he questioned what his teacher told him, the, the leak affected the mills and the millstones and it all collapsed and he lost it all. So, so Omar Abaye said, Taisi I deserve this, the Ovri Adama, because I did not listen to the psaktin of my teacher. I shouldn't have questioned what my teacher paskened. If my teacher told me that I could bring my bed inside there and remove it, I should have done so without questioning it because I questioned my teacher's psaktin. I deserve that this happened to me. Omar Shmuel. Shmuel said a similar loch. Graf shall re. If you have a bucket of th- disgusting things, ve'avid shall me or you have a bucket from urine that's in the middle of the house, mutter la itzion la ashpa. You're allowed to take it out to the garbage. This is the halacha that we just mentioned. Now he said when you bring it back. So once you're bringing it back, so it's going to be mukta. So you put water inside of it and then So then because it has water inside of it, it's not going to be mukta, and that's how you can bring it back. That was the halacha that Shmuel said. There were those Talmidim, when they heard this halacha of Shmuel, they thought to say, 
Agav mana in that when you have a waste, disgusting waste in your house, you're only allowed to take it out together with a pail. In that you're allowed, but if you have the waste that's in the house without the pail, just to remove it like that without the pail, it's not allowed to move. Only with the pail are you allowed to move it. That's what they thought was part of what Shmuel was saying. But the Gemara says that's not true. Toshema, bring you a raya that this is not the case. There was this mouse, the Ishtakich Bey Isparmaki de Ravashi, that was found by the Besomim of Ravashi. It was mal, this mouse was making it disgusting, it was eating over there from the Bissam of Ravashi. Amaluhu Ravashi, so Ravashi told uh, to his uh, people over there in the house, Nakta Bitsutsisa, why don't you grab it at its tail, Vafkua, and take out the mouse from here. So what do you see that when you have something that's disgusting in the house, you don't have to hold it with a secondary thing, with a pail or something else. You can grab the Mukta item itself, this mouse or whatever other disgusting thing it is, and take it out as is. Zakta Mishneh, let's learn another piece over here, the Gemara. Call shechayovin alav mishum shvus. Anything that there is a gzeda of chazal that they didn't allow to do this on Shabbos. That's what the word shvus is. Shvus is the expression that's always used for a gzeda of chazal that they made that you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. And mishum rishus, when it's something relating to something which is permissible, a permissible matter. In other words, it's not mamish a mitzvah, but as we'll see in the Gemara, Rashi explains, it's a, it's, it's a certain matter that's related to a mitzvah, but it's not mamish a mitzvah. Or Mishum Mitzvah, or even something that's actually a mitzvah, but Chachamim didn't allow to do this on Shabbos. So, B'Shabbos Chayavin Olov, if it's something that on Shabbos Yechayavin this, in other words, it's not allowed to be done on Shabbos, we're speaking all about Medrabanon. Again, B'Shabbos, the way you read it is B'Shabbos, if this is not allowed to be done on Shabbos, Chayavin Olov B'Yomtif. You're also not allowed to do this on Yomtif. In other words, the point this Mishnah is saying is all the Xeris of Chazal. Of all these surim, midrabanan, for Shabbos, apply equally to, to, to Yom Tif. Same thing. And the Mishnah brings a bunch of examples. The Elohein and the following are the examples. Mishum Shvos, the following are the Xeris of Chazal that they made on Shabbos. Le'olim bi'ilon, you're not allowed to climb a tree. Le'reichem al-gabi behemeh, you're not allowed to ride an animal. V'leishotna p'nei amayim, you're not allowed to swim on the water. V'leim etapchin, you're not allowed to clap your hands. V'leim esapkin, you're not allowed to clap your hands on your thighs. V'leim eraktin, you're not allowed to dance. So those are the Xeris of Chazal that they made. The Eilein Mishum Rishus, the following Xeris Chazal made for certain permissible things that are sort of related to a mitzvah. Leidonin, you're not allowed to have a bezin that judges someone on Shabbos. Leimekachin, you're not allowed to be Mekadosh a woman, a Kedushin on Shabbos. Leichelzin, you're not allowed to do Chalitza on Shabbos. Leimiyabmin, you're not allowed to be Miyabim a woman on Shabbos when you, when you marry your wife's brother. And those are all these things Chacham Wagayz and not to be done on Shabbos. And the following things Chachamim said that are not allowed to be done on Shabbos even though it's a mitzvah. You're not allowed to be makdish something for hektish. You're not allowed to be maidich, which is when a person says a certain value of something I'm giving to, I'm going to give to hektish. That's another way of making something hektish when you say that this should be cherem to hektish, it goes to hektish. You're not allowed to separate truma and maisa on Shabbos. Call elu. Biyamtiv Amru, all of these gzeris Chachamim said applies to Yamtiv and Kavachayim Bishabbos. If it applies to Yamtiv, how much more so for sure it applies to Shabbos. And the Mishnah concludes, Ein ben Yamtiv le Shabbos, the only distinction that there is between Yamtiv and Shabbos when it comes to doing Melacha, Menatayre, or the things that are also from Chazal, Ela Echel Nefesh Bulvad. 
Only when it comes to prepare food, over there, as we learned in this entire Masechte, over there, the Teira allows to do Malachas for the purpose of food. Otherwise, all the Gzairis of Chazal are the same. So the Gemara now will explain all of these Gzairis here. You're not allowed to go up on a tree. So what is this, what's the reason? Why are you not allowed to climb a tree on Yantif for Shabbos? Because there's a Gzairis that you might pull off a branch, which is a Malachim and a Teira, Kaitzer. You're not allowed to ride on an animal on Shabbos. The gzeda is that you might go with this animal outside the tchum. When you're riding on an animal, you're not going to notice where the tchum Shabbos is and you may go too far with it. So the Gemara says, if that's the reason, doesn't that prove that the issue, that the issue of going outside of the tchum is minatayra? There's a big argument about this, whether tchum Shabbos is minatayra or midrabanan. If we're making gzeda, that you shouldn't come to go out of the tchum, that means that the tchum itself is minatayra. So the Gemara says, no, I'll give you a different reason why they said you shouldn't ride on an animal. The Gzeda was that when you're riding an animal and you need a stick to bang the animal to go riding quicker, you might cut off a branch to, uh, to bang the animal. Swim on the water. Because you might make yourself some floatable tube, some kind of a barrel of tube to be able to float with it, uh, flo- float with it on, uh, on Shabbos or Yantif. You're not to clap your hands or dance. What's the reason for this? Because you might come to make a musical instrument. We had before Teisvis, a few places, Teisvis says that this Gzeda does not apply today because those times people were much more proficient in knowing how to make a musical instrument, so this was a real Gzeda. But Bizman Azeh, Teisvis says that this Gzeda does not apply. The next thing it said in the Mishnah, You're not allowed to judge another Yid. Why is the Mishnah calling this a Rishos? If you're judging someone, that's doing a Mitzvah. And for the Gemara, When there's another Bezdin, that's someone that's better than you, that knows the Halacha more than you, so therefore it's not really so much of a Mitzvah for you to do this, someone else could do it better than you, so therefore the Mishnah refers to this as a Rishos. The last thing we'll learn for today, isn't this a mitzvah? Why does the Mishnah call it a Roshos? Answers the Gemara, Over here it's speaking about a person that already has a wife and children, and to him to get married to another wife is not a mitzvah, and therefore the Mishnah calls it a Roshos.